Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Built to Last, brought to you by Buffer and Wistia. For this episode, I'm excited to introduce Emily Hayward. You might remember her from episode one. Emily is co-founder and chief brand officer at Red Antler, author of the book Obsessed, Building a Brand That People Love From Day One, and in 2019, Inc. Magazine named Emily one of the most important entrepreneurs of the past decade. Since its launch in 2007, Red Antler has helped to turn new brands like Casper, Allbirds, and countless others into household names and runaway successes. And in her book, Obsessed, Emily draws on these experiences to outline the new principles of what it takes to build and launch a brand that has people lining up to buy it on opening day. In this episode, Emily is going to talk about how brands tap into their consumer's sense of self to build connections, as well as the importance of focus and why today's most successful brands aren't afraid to show the world who they are and what they stand for. Here's Emily. Hi, I'm Emily Hayward, co-founder of Red Antler and author of the book Obsessed, Building a Brand People Love from Day One. My company, Red Antler, is the leading brand company for startups in the United States. Much of our work is focused on early stage companies. So we're getting involved with founders and entrepreneurs before they've even launched and helping them think through the entire customer experience through the lens of brand. Really, our role is about helping them bring their vision to life in a way that's compelling, relevant, and motivating for their audience. What's been interesting to me in the 13 years that I've been running the company is that over that time, certain questions get asked again and again by founders. And one of those top questions that we get all the time is, how do I create a brand now before I've launched when the ultimate vision of what I'm building is so much bigger than my offering today. You know, whatever it is that I'm releasing to the world is just the first step. And I have such big plans of where I'm heading. So how can I possibly build a brand pre-launch that will make sense now, but also be able to take me into the future? How can I tell my story when my current offering is only a small sliver of who I intend to become? Our answer is always, if you don't get that first thing right, if you don't come out of the gate in a way that attracts people's attention, makes sense to them, gets them excited, you're never going to have the opportunity to even get to that next stage. You're never going to have the opportunity to realize the full breadth of your vision. Of course, you don't want to make choices that lock you in too tightly in the beginning. A very good example of that would be a literal name, a name that is too locked in to one specific feature. You know, we look at businesses now, I think of businesses like MailChimp that are now out there having to explain that they're about more than email, which is a sort of waste of communication to their audience, right? And it's because their name only represents a small piece of what they ultimately do. So you try to avoid anything that's gonna keep you from evolving. But at the same time, you have to be incredibly clear about what you stand for and who you're for at the start. And really, that's how you get that first set of people to fall in love with you, the people who are ultimately going to become your greatest brand champions. 
So why is focus and clarity so important in getting people to care about your business from the start? We need to think about the context of the world that we're living in today. Consumers have more choice, more information, and therefore more power than ever before. Think about how what we used to buy was controlled by gatekeepers. We were only able to buy whatever was available at the drugstore or the grocery store. We only learned about brands through national TV campaigns. Now we learn about brands through Instagram. We can Google exactly what we're looking for and access niche brands that have millions of consumer reviews and are being written about on forums that contain people who are similar to us and have similar needs. And in many ways, this choice is a good thing. It means that we can find brands that truly meet what we're looking for and that align with our values. But it's also exhausting. We have choice overload. There's too much information, too many ways to be entertained, too many shows to binge watch. It's too much. You know, when I had a baby a year and a half ago, the process of figuring out what products to buy felt like a full-time job. And everyone has a different opinion, and there's so much information out there to access. And you almost feel irresponsible if you're not going through that journey to its fullest. So in that landscape, brands that come forward with a simple, clear offering are able to focus more on what they stand for and why it matters versus getting bogged down in the minutia of their product offering. Instead of having to explain a million different features or go on a long diatribe about how their business works and all the different things it does, or help people navigate through a bunch of different versions that all have just tiny variations and ultimately do the same thing, brands with focus are able to elevate their story to a more emotionally resonant place. That's why we see so many of these recent direct-to-consumer success stories that launch with a very limited offering to start. To speak to a couple of our clients, we worked with Casper, the mattress brand. Fast forward, they offer many different mattresses. But when we first helped them launch that business, there was just one. And because of that, they didn't have to get bogged down in all the details about what makes each mattress different than the other. They were able to tell a story about why sleep matters to people, which is about really enabling you to live your best life. Same thing with another brand that we helped launch, Allbirds, the footwear brand. You know, now they offer a bunch of different styles of shoes. They offer socks. But when we first helped them launch, they had just one style of shoe, which was the wool runner. And because of that, again, we were able to build this incredibly cohesive, resonant world that wasn't about helping people navigate a bunch of different styles of shoes, but instead was about what Albert stood for and its mission. Another great example, which is not a client, is Away, the luggage brand. When they first launched, they had just one style. It was a hard shell carry-on suitcase. Compare this to a traditional luggage brand like Toomey, when you try to shop online for a Toomey suitcase, there are a thousand different lines of product with names that don't mean anything. Each of the products within the lines has its own name. You're clicking through and trying to visualize, you know, what does 20 inches look like and what's the difference between the, you know, this one and that one. When Away launched, they just had the one. And because of that, you know, it made it simple. It was a, just about 
travel and facilitating the trip that you wanted to go on. You weren't stuck in all the details of which suitcase is right for you. And even when they went to launch additional styles, their nomenclature was incredibly straightforward. They had the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large. They helped you shop on the site um, and still do where they'll show you, you know, this suitcase fits this many outfits. It's good for this many nights, really helping you navigate the experience in a way that's intuitive and consumer focused. And what they were able to do because of this is build a brand that isn't even about the product. It's about travel. They could tell a story about people's love of travel with the suitcase as a means to that end. Another advantage of launching with just one style, and we saw this with Allbirds and also with Away, is that it creates an iconic look. You know, when you're in the airport and you see the Away suitcase, you recognize it because at least in the beginning, everyone had the same one. Now, it doesn't always have to be that focus comes from just offering one product. There are certain categories where that doesn't make sense. You don't necessarily want to visit separate websites for every small purchase that you make. You don't want to go to a website just to buy a pack of gum or a bag of chips. But you can still make people's lives easier for them and simplify their choice even when you're offering a multitude of products. A great example of a business that has incredible focus while still offering a multitude of products is a client of ours called Snow. And what Snow offers are direct-to-consumer housewares. Think all the non-furniture essentials that fill your home. So plates, glasses, towels, sheets, pillows. Really their competition would be a department store or a place like Bed Bath & Beyond. But truthfully, the modern consumer doesn't want to spend their Saturday in a department store picking out china patterns. And even beyond that, most people today don't have multiple sets of dishes, you know, the fine china and the everyday plates. They don't have separate guest towels. It's just not the way that we live anymore. You know, these used to be items that you would register for when you got married, but most of us are getting married later. And by the time we're getting married, we already have all of our stuff. We're not looking to fill our new home together. Our approach to living has just become so much more streamlined. You know, we want to use the same bowl to serve a nice bowl of soup at a dinner as we do to eat cereal on the couch. So what Snow offers is just the best version of every basic. They do an incredible amount of product research on their own and then bring to you the softest towel, the most durable drinking glass that just feels great in your hand. All the guesswork and the time spent researching and stressing about all this stuff has been removed for the consumer. It's just simple. It's high quality. The products themselves look pretty neutral. They only come in a few colors. It's less about, you know, matching all of your patterns together. And you can just feel relaxed about it. It's easy. It's so much more in line with how we live today. And ultimately, that kind of simplicity, that removal of the guesswork, the agonizing, the research, becomes a sort of gift to your audience because you are removing distraction from their life and giving them permission to just live it. It can be hard to think about leaving certain sets of consumers or certain opportunities behind. You know, when we think about a way launching with just a hard shell suitcase, that meant that people who prefer a soft suitcase, I count myself in that camp, were not 
in their initial target audience. But at the same time, what you're giving up is actually, it pales in comparison to what you gain with the new possibilities that focus unlocks. Think about a business like Dry Bar, which is the chain of salons where you can just go to get a blowout. The idea of getting your hair blown out by a professional was not new. You know, any woman who has ever gone to get their hair cut is offered, you know, a blowout at the end of that process. But Dry Bar, by focusing just on blowouts, actually created a new occasion. You know, they even have a tagline. They say, no cuts, no color, just blowouts. And what that does is it prompts people to get a blowout just because. Instead of waiting for a full hair appointment or feeling like they need to devote, you know, three hours to the salon, you can just pop in, meet a friend, create a social occasion out of it, feel good about yourself on a random day of the week instead of feeling it has to be connected to some formal event. The other thing that this focus does is it really speaks to quality and consistency. Think about going to a farm-to-table restaurant that just has seven items on the menu versus going to a place like the Cheesecake Factory that has, you know, a 50-page menu. You know, which one are you more likely to trust in terms of what they offer? And Dry Bar has been able to offer an incredible level of consistency and quality in how they train their stylists and how they deliver, you know, the same experience over and over again because they just do one thing and they do it so well. This is also true for digital products that focus on just one feature. Think about the ease and delight of using Venmo. They aren't trying to be your full service banking solution. They aren't offering you a checking account and a savings account and a way to invest. It's just about easy payment and it's so much more delightful and fun. Or think about the success of a business like Slack. You know, chat is not a new functionality. You could always chat with people back in the day through AOL, certainly more recently through Google. But what Slack was able to do was create an experience that was focused on chat and then really flesh out all the ways to make chat more fun, more useful, and more engaging. Another great example is Instagram. I remember when Instagram first launched, I didn't really get it. I was like, can't you already share your photos through Facebook? But as soon as I started using it, I realized it's so much more fun to be in this environment that's just about photos. It takes the pressure off what you post. You're not having to weed through people's crazy political opinions or, you know, strange ideas about who knows their diet. You know, you just get to see visual stimulation through your entire feed. Another way that businesses drive focus today is through customization. If you think back to what it's like the last time you went to physically shop in a drugstore, whether you're in the toothpaste aisle or the hair care aisle or the pain relief aisle, you are met with a wall of products, all from the same brand, each with minute differences. You know, toothpaste from the same brand might offer the one with whitening, the one with breath freshening, the one with breath freshening and whitening. And that's intentional on behalf of the brands. They keep launching new products because they want to dominate the aisle visually. It's a way to take over the visual space in the store. But that serves them 
far more than it serves their consumers. If anything for consumers, it's confusing. I actually have found myself embarrassingly sort of staring into space in the toothpaste aisle for much longer than necessary or than I'd care to admit, trying to determine the difference among all these things and which one is actually most important to me. And I'm sure everybody's heard that, you know, the painkiller labeled migraine actually has the identical ingredients to the regular painkiller. And it's just there to almost fool you into buying two different versions. And in hair care, it's even worse. You know, there's so many differences among these products and half the time you don't even know what these words mean. You know, there's volume, shine, color damage, thickening. There's separate products for blonde people. There's the quote unquote ethnic aisle, which is an incredibly outdated way of serving the needs of women who have, you know, black hair, different kinds of hair. We worked with a company called Pros that set out to totally transform that category by removing all of these variables from the equation and instead offering an unprecedented level of customization. Instead of forcing you to choose one or two attributes that define your hair, Pros products are actually entirely made to order. So the way that the purchase experience works is you fill out a questionnaire online and based on a very large number of factors, everything from your zip code to your hair texture to your level of activity to your diet, you get a formula that is literally made for you. It is made to order once you've filled out your specifications and needs. You might think that asking people to spend time filling out a questionnaire goes against the idea of everybody wanting to buy everything as quickly as possible at the touch of a button. But we've found actually through the success of pros, people are willing to take the time because it provides them with an incredibly immersive conversational shopping experience that ultimately gives them exactly what they need. And that experience gives them the assurance that they're getting something of quality and they're getting something that is created for them. Because it's custom, it's more efficacious, it's more inclusive because you don't have to be forced into a profile based on your race or your ethnicity or your gender. It's just about you, your hair, your needs. And it's also more sustainable because they're creating each product made to order. So you don't end up having the waste that you often see in the beauty industry when products sit on the shelf and ultimately expire and get thrown out. Focus comes not only from how you think about your product offering, your set of features, but also from knowing who your target audience is, and just as importantly, who they're not. We worked with a brand called Ursa Major, which is a clean skincare brand founded by a husband and wife team, um, Oliver Sweatman and Emily Doyle, who in many ways were very ahead of their time. They had moved from New York City to Vermont to be closer to nature. And once they got there, went on a journey to create a set of products that have clean, non-toxic ingredients, but work incredibly well and deliver an incredible experience. And I think they were very much ahead of the clean beauty trend. You know, I think now we're seeing more and more and more products really focus on what's in them, giving people the assurance that the ingredients are safe. Um, Oliver and Emily really hit on the importance of this 
before it started to become table stakes. And their brand is rooted in an incredibly specific ethos, which they describe as low maintenance, high impact. So the products work very well, and they're definitely for people who want to invest in great skincare products. But it's not for people who are looking for a full-blown beauty routine. It's not for people that are looking to incorporate beauty and skincare into how they think about self-care. It's actually for people who want products that, yes, they feel amazing and they work amazing, but you kind of just get it done and then get out there to enjoy your life. And if you look at the brand and how it communicates, it has a very outdoorsy, nature-oriented, adventurous feel and adventurous target audience. Um, You know, we even asked them, are we going to turn people off by showing all these images of people hiking and in the woods? And their feeling was, yeah, we might turn people off, but those people are not our target audience. And it doesn't mean that to buy Ursa Major, you need to live in the woods. But even the people who buy it who live in New York City, you know, they're looking to get outside, even if that's just a run along the West Side Highway. It's part of their values. And it's actually how they think about self-care. It comes from being outside, being outdoors, stepping away from your bathroom and being out there in the world. On the absolute opposite end of the spectrum, we worked with another beauty and skincare brand called Then I Met You, which has a totally different ethos and target audience. This is a brand that we helped launch with Charlotte Cho. She's the founder of Soko Glam, which really can be credited for bringing Korean beauty to the United States. And she's a massive influencer in the Korean beauty space. And through all of her work with Soko Glam, was able to really understand what people were looking for. And that led her to the decision to launch her own line of products, which is Then I Met You. Then I Met You is based in the 10-step beauty routine that defines K-beauty. It's all about taking time for yourself, going deeper, very much about embracing the ritual that's associated with personal care, you know, Spending 10 steps on your skincare every morning couldn't be further than what Ursa Major is about. Both are incredible brands, but they're going after very different audiences who have a very different relationship to how they care for themselves, how they take time for themselves, and how they ultimately reward themselves. So much potential is unlocked when you have an incredibly clear definition of who you're for and who your product is best for. We worked with the dating app Hinge, um, which is an app that launched shortly after Tinder had launched. Both apps came out at a time when previously people had been using sites like Match.com and OkCupid to meet people that were you know, very much about long profiles and starting conversations through messaging. And what Tinder came out with was this new functionality where all you had to do was swipe on someone's face. You saw a picture of them, you either liked it or you didn't, and you swiped left or you swiped right. And this was pretty revolutionary in the dating space, Um, certainly caught on pretty quickly. Hinge launched with similar user interface, but their angle was that you signed up through Facebook. So you were actually connected to friends of friends versus just whoever was geographically close to you. 
When Hinge came to us, they were looking to differentiate themselves further from Tinder and really stand out more for being more of a human, legitimate and meaningful way to meet people. You know, obviously the friends of friends angle was meant to mimic what might happen in real life if you were at a wedding or a party and started to meet people who knew other people that you knew. And they wanted to go even further into this and really think about, you know, how do we create an experience digitally that's closer to what people would be seeking in the real world? We worked through a brand strategy with them that was all about finding more real connections and encouraging more human, natural behavior. And in thinking through the brand and what they wanted to stand for, they actually ended up redesigning their entire product. They realized that the audience that they were going after the values of the people they wanted to attract was not in line with swiping on pictures of people's faces. And it's not that there's anything wrong with swiping, but it didn't support Hinge's positioning as being this deeper, more meaningful way to form romantic connections. So they got rid of swiping. They created a new beautiful interface that was rooted in profiles, but mobile first, And also created a lot of features that encouraged better behavior and discouraged people from doing some of the things people do on dating apps where they are just, you know, liking everyone they see in the hopes of getting a match or ghosting people or, you know, sort of treating people in a way that you would never treat them face to face. So we helped relaunch them as the relationship app which very much put a stake in the ground that they were for people who were seeking something more long-term, not necessarily marriage, but not just looking to play around. And when we relaunched them, we then worked through a marketing campaign that was rooted in the idea that Hinge is designed to be deleted, which is really saying very clearly, we want you to use Hinge, meet someone, and get off Hinge. There's a very natural moment when you're using dating apps, when you have the conversation of, are we going to delete our dating app? It's almost the new, you know, let's move in together, (laughs) or can we make it official? And we really leaned into that. Meanwhile, at the same time, Tinder's first major brand campaign was rooted around the idea that single is a terrible thing to waste. And it really embraces the fun of being single, of not settling down, of being out there. And that's great. Like, there's absolutely no judgment on either approach. It's just for a different set of people who are looking for something different. Or maybe it's the same person that over time and over the course of their life shifts what they're looking for from a dating app experience. But what it means is that each app has an incredibly clear positioning of what they're for, of what you can expect on the app. And it also creates a better experience for each of the app's users because you're among like-minded people who are more likely to be seeking the same kind of experience that you're seeking. Of course, any brand that's looking to scale ultimately needs to reach a very wide audience. And that audience is not going to look identical to the people who first fell in love with the brand. But too often, I see founders getting bogged down in the idea that they need to be everything to everyone from day one, that they need to account for every single reason someone might like them or want to use them. And if they don't account for all these possibilities, they're leaving opportunity on the table. 
And with that approach, they end up watering down what makes them and their brand special in the first place. If you're trying to account for every possible future scenario, there's absolutely no way to bring forward why someone should care about you right now and why they're going to fall in love with you. The most powerful brand connections come when people can actually see themselves in the brand's identity. You know, it's not just about the functional reasons that you want to buy something. It's about an alignment of values, a shared ethos. And that only happens when you have an ethos. People can't connect on that deeper level if they don't know what you're about beyond just what you're selling them. And the only way to be clear about that is to have that focus and to not be afraid to make a strong statement. Okay, I might have to give that a rewind and listen again. There were too many incredible examples in Emily's talk to list them all, but I love learning about how Hinge worked with Red Antler to differentiate itself further from Tinder. And Emily's thoughts on focus really got me thinking, especially when she explained that focus comes not only from how you think about your product offering and your set of features, but also from knowing who your target audience is and just as importantly, who they're not. When you're building a business, it can be easy to fall into the trap of trying to be everything to everyone within your market. But though it might seem counterintuitive, picking very specific target customers and understanding exactly how your business fits into their lives might actually be a better long-term strategy. For example, Ursa Major and Then I Met You are both skincare brands, but they serve very different audiences and play very different roles in their customers' lives. And the success of both of these businesses shows just how important it is for brands to emphasize who they are and what they stand for. Thanks so much to Emily Hayward for joining us here on Built to Last and sharing some of the fascinating insights she's picked up from a decade plus of building brands at Red Antler. In the next episode, we'll be diving further into how brands can carve out their own unique space in the market. And specifically, we'll go deep on how to create content and tell stories that will turn your target customers into impassioned fans that care deeply about your brand. 